Kane is in the building. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another 3P podcast. This is the 10th episode of our seventh season. Once again, I'm your host, Josh Fromwitz, and joined with me joined by with me are my other co-hosts. Alex Castle. Steven Bernazzo. Got another great show for you listeners. Once again, thank you for your patience for as we're going through this uh two every other week uh three P season. Trying something different and seeing what what works, what doesn't. But as of right now, that's what it's that's what it looks like it's gonna be. So thank you all for your patience during these different times. But we got some t- some sports to talk about. We got NBA playoffs starting this weekend, including the NBA play-ins, which have have been happening all week. Stevie, shout out to your Chicago Bulls making play in history, being the first team in NBA in the three i think years it's been two or three years that the play-in's been intact where a 10 seed has knocked off the nine seed and it actually happened twice on the same night because the oklahoma city thunder also advanced to the uh play in the uh eight seed game we'll get into that in a little bit we got some basketball to talk about and some baseball baseball it's really it's a really really good time of year baseball now two weeks into regular season our yankees are looking good obviously not as good as the tampa bay rays because they still haven't lost the game lost the game since the last time we've recorded hopefully uh they'll lose one of these days but stevie turn to you your chicago bulls have been in action this week as they knocked off the toronto raptors in toronto and now they wait for a matchup in miami with the Miami Heat to play for that eighth seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs. First, I want to talk to you about what worked for the Bulls. And obviously, DeMar DeRozan's daughter is a big factor. Screaming her lungs out um, might have been a factor for why the Raptors missed half of their free throws going 18 for 36 on the night, which is you're never going to win any game, game let, alone, let alone a postseason game. But it really seemed like all year the Bulls have been struggling to find a good balance between DeMar and Levine for a consecutive stretch. But I think the, when when those two are playing right, the Bulls are going to be are a very dangerous team to to beat. And I think we kind of saw a little bit of that uh, a couple nights ago in the play-in. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, if think about this. Last year, the Bulls were... Not in the plan. They made the playoffs. I think they were the six seed and they uh, lost to the Bucks. Um, and you pretty much return the same roster except for Lonzo, who's dealing with that knee injury. Um, we added guys like Papev mid uh, mid season, Andre Drummond. Um, you know, so the fact that they were a playing team and got the last seed in the plan. I mean, that it's just not doesn't represent like if you look at some of these other 10 seeds in the past um if you look at those teams compared to this bulls team like you would look at the bulls team you'd be like oh my gosh how are they a 10 seed but for some reason this year between injuries and just the chemistry they couldn't string things together like they did last year um they just went on these huge losing streaks and then they would get it they would win some games and then just go on a huge losing streak so I don't know what it was this year. Um, and kind of like what you were saying with DeMar and Levine, like they just Levine started off slow while DeMar kind of continued that hot play that he had all of last year. Um, and then he kind of mellowed down to earth and then Levine picked it up. And then there was some, and then when they were doing good was when both of those guys were playing well. And the key last night was, um, I mean, cause they were down big 
and I was getting nervous and like down big late into the game. Like, I, I believe it was 19 at one point, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. And then it was still double digits, like almost the end of the third quarter. Um, So I was getting nervous because I was watching the game and then I was, you know, also just kind of, you know, eating dinner and then cleaning up from uh work. So, and I was kind of just like when they were down huge at half and I was like, eh, this, you know, not giving up. But I was like, you know, and then, like I said, then I was doing the other stuff and I checked my phone and saw the score and I was like, yep, yeah, this might be it. Looks like uh, I'll just be rooting for uh, Castle's Knicks for the play playoffs. But then, yeah, sorry, Franz, no nets. I, you know, it, I got Jackson's the, the Knicks fan at home and, you know, there's no nets ties. In That's my the team. reason why you chose to be a, a Bulls fan. This goes back to the Alan Hahn conversation. You wanted to spite your brother and his teams. But if but if mine are out, then I will root for them. You make zero sense. I do it to, so we have like different things to root for and being competitive, but at the same time, like, you know, I'd rather see his team do win so one of us is happy, you know. I, I don't care about the Nets. I don't care about the you know the I'm tired of the Bucks now. Um, I don't like the Heat. I don't like. I'm trying to think of the other teams. You know, Philly. Oh, I hate Philly. Don't say you like the Hawks. If you're like, gonna... no, no, I, that, right. like my two teams in the East. Like my or really, it's the Bulls. And then if I had to choose another one to root for in the East, it would be the Knicks. And then maybe promise your Nets. So those are the those are the three teams. The Bulls are out. The Knicks and the Nets. That's what I want coming out of the East. Does that make it better? But I, I, as someone who you live in that part of Connecticut where you can be accepted as a New York sports fan, I I, th- I think that's that's fair to say you'll show love for both those yeah. teams after the. You know, I'm not going to actively root like you know buy a Knicks shirt and root for them, but like I don't want to see them lose to the like I don't want to see the Cavs go. I'd rather see the Knicks. Like they're close. Like there's a lot of you know. A lot of Knicks fans around me and like um in just the area I'd rather see MSG pop and then freaking quick I already seen the Cavs win a championship, you know. So obviously, like I said, I would love to see the Bulls, but I just you know I just from watching last night's game the whole season, I don't think they're gonna make it very far, to be honest. Um but getting back to my thing, so I think the one of the key things was Levine really started to get hot too um which was big because him demar like they were missing a lot of shots a lot of shots um threes mid-range and we needed you know and 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 they were hitting a lot of shots even scotty barnes was nailing threes and he's not a three-point guy so when levine started to really pick it up and make shots and really have fred van bleet uh in a blunder defensively that was huge and then we started playing better defense we kind of switched up the defense um billy donovan really made some great adjustments uh not even the second half more so like the end of the third like third i guess kind of the second half but more end of the third into the fourth and the biggest thing was that they held on um so miami's not gonna be an easy easy matchup do I like Miami's team? Not really. I don't. Kyle Lowry is way out of his prime. Jimmy Butler's still good, but Jimmy Butler can only propel his team so far. Tyler Hero, good too, but if you catch him on an off night, or same thing, he's not going to really win them games. So I like the Bulls' chances, but for some reason, the Bulls just like to dig themselves into these holes. Now, like last night or uh, Wednesday night, they were able to dig themselves out of that hole and make that comeback. But not every time, especially when you get further into the playoffs, because if they win this game, uh, they, I believe the Bucks clinched the number one seed, right? They already have the one seed. Yeah, so this, so we would be facing, who the, the winner of this game would be facing the Bucks. So if we win, we'd be facing the Bucks for a second straight year. So the, the Bulls just have to kind of figure out like, I just don't, unless it really was Lonzo, because when the Bulls last year, 
We're playing that best basketball. We're the number one seed in the East. I really don't get, like I said, there's not a whole changeup of a team. Vucevic is there. Levine is there. Demar's there. The only guy that's missing that piece is Lonzo, and it was really Lonzo that keep a but factor. But even Lo- even Lonzo missed like all almost like the entire year. He he got hurt in January of last year. So well, even down even down the stretch, like you've re- you've had you've been in these big games without Lonzo. But I just but, want to ask another a follow up to you. Do you think Pat Beverly has been a huge underrated pickup for uh, for you guys? Oh, of, of course. And it's not like because it's not like you're you're that young of a team where Pat Bev is going to make an impact on the young guys. Like, I guess no. you have Io Dasumnu, but like your core guys are not young guys. So it's not like no. Pat Bev has that kind of impact that he would on a team like OKC. No, exactly. Because Demar's like 33, Vooch is 32, 33, Levine is probably 27, 28. So your big three right there are into their 30s and in approaching 30. And then you have some young guys mixed in, like Pat Williams is super young, Io's young, Kobe White is still pretty young. Um, But then even Andre Drummond, Drummond, he's been in the league quite often. So this is not a young team. It's not like the Thunder, who their average age of the starting lineup was like 21 years old. Like, we have experience. So um, Pat Bev... Really, because he just brings that like Chicago mentality. He's from Chicago, so he brings that mentality of kind of like he's gonna be a dog. He's gonna like get you know he's not gonna go down without a fight. If you look at his stats, he's not putting up mind blowing stats. It's not like he's been dropping thirty points. It's not like Russell like Russell Westbrook kind of had a little resurgence there with the Clippers, like where he started putting up almost like triple um, double numbers again. Not quite, but he started scoring the ball more too. Like, he started to really play more of his basketball game. Like, Pat Bev is not putting up, like, these, like, crazy numbers. Um, like If you look at the starting roster, like, he's always putting up the lowest, like, point uh, point total. But it's just his mindset and his leader, his leadership's just been the biggest thing, that locker room. Like, he even, I feel like if Pat Bev wasn't on that team last night, the Bulls probably would have just not came back. They might have just given up. But I feel like Pat Bev just kept them motivated. Um, and like I said, him being from Chicago, now playing for for Chicago, like he just has that that mindset. And um, I think it's been huge for the team. And I think that's what they needed because they, they didn't have anyone. And clearly, I love DeMar, I love Levine, but clearly they must not be those kind of leaders where when stuff starts to get rocky, they're not the ones to maybe pick. Like they're super talented and great players, but maybe they're not the right vocal leaders um, that like Pat Bev is. And that's why Pat Bev really has been a great um, pickup. So I'm hoping they can go in Miami, beat Miami. And again, I'm not expecting much. I'm um, just watching the season. I thought last year, just watching last year and then how last year ended against the Bucks. And so granted, I don't like how this team has played this year at all. Um, like I said, there's been a couple good stretches, but overall have not been impressed. So we'll see how it goes. Um, the Bucks are still the Bucks. They got the number one seed for a reason. So they're not going to be an easy, you know, uh, opponent to play, especially first round. So we'll see what happens, but I just hope they can get into the playoffs. You can't, you can't not win the first playoff game and then not make the playoffs. You got you got to got to get in. Uh so now I want to turn to Castle here, shifting gears to the Western Conference play in a little bit. And this is one of the more bizarre situations that we've seen in recent history and that that affects with one of the guys that you like who's not a Nick and that's Kyle Anderson. Uh I believe it was the final game of the regular season. There's an argument on the bench between him and Rudy Gobert and Rudy Gobert, obviously a guy that Minnesota traded the entire house for five, four, I think it was five future first round picks, including the pick this year, four players. He's got a really bad contract. So they're, they clearly are invested a lot in Rudy Gobert. 
and there was an argument between him, Kyle Anderson punched him and uh, punched him. And he was sent home early from the game, not even to the locker room, sent home. What did you think when you saw this, uh, this take place? And did you think it was the right move by Minnesota suspending him for the biggest game of their season in which they ultimately lost against uh, the Lakers? You know, as you mentioned, Kyle, Kyle Anderson is one of my guys. He's a North Jersey guy. I've had the pleasure of meeting him one time, went to a couple of his events. He's a, he, he, he's a, he's a vet and he's a type of guy who I feel like is a team player is, is a good mentor for the younger guys. And he's arguably having the best season of his career. So I, I might be a little biased when I'm saying this, but I think he was handled correctly. I think he 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 should have been Gobert should have been suspended. You know, we talked about and, and and it's crazy to think that we started this this show in the midst of COVID. And one of the biggest things that we talked about when we rolled out this show was the whole Rudy Gobert thing when he was with the Jazz and how he started the COVID outbreak in, in the NBA. And just looking at that and how he handled that. And then you take a look at this scenario. Now, I don't know too much about Rudy Gobert as a person, but I get the sense he is not really the best teammate. And when you're looked at as a premier center in the league and you have an organization that's putting in so much to get you, and this is how you handle an interaction with one of your teammates, I think it's extremely unprofessional. Yes, they took a huge gamble by suspending him from the game. They lose to the Lakers. Now the Lakers are going to go on and play Memphis. Now they got to play OKC and see if they can beat them. I think it was the right call. And and I think it was just, it, it was a, a real trash move by him. Yeah, maybe Kyle could could have, you know, held back on some of the stuff that he said, but to throw a punch at your own teammate when you guys are all on edge and just trying to, you know, get to the finish line, put yourself in the best position to make the playoffs. I, I think it was the right call by the wolves. And I just think it was another very clear cut example of who, of who Ru- Rudy Gobert is, is as a teammate. Do you think the league should have stepped in and they, and, and handed a further suspension or did you like that Minnesota kept it within the organization and doing their own thing? I think it was good that they kept it in-house. Maybe if it got to a point where he was going after other guys and he was making a much bigger spectacle of it, maybe the league should have gotten involved. But I think it was good to handle it in-house. I think the league is also a little... They they like to handle things by, you know, certain, certain scenarios. Like, I feel like if this was an altercation with a fan... No doubt about it, the league would jump in. But this is two older guys, you know, guys who are more experienced in the league. Tensions are high. You know, the the NBA is shifting into the playoffs. A big time for for everyone uh, involved in in the league. I I think it was just one of these scenarios where they're like, we'll let you handle it in-house. But what I will say is, if there wasn't a suspension or – if the punishment was something a little different than how the wolves handled it, then maybe they would have stepped in. But I, I think keeping it in in house in this scenario was the right move. All right, so one last question, because this uh, this will come out before they have their playing game. Do you think Rudy Gobert will be suspended for the that game the with their season on the line? If they lose, they're done. If they win, then they're in the playoffs as the eight seed. Will Rudy Gobert be playing, or will he be suspended? That's a tough one because last year, if I'm not mistaken, Minnesota was in the play-in, but they lost. They did not make it to the playoffs. So you got you to gotta look at it this way. We traded all these first-round picks. I mean, the Rudy Gobert deal was a, a huge shakeup across the entire NBA. I mean, you looked at other de- uh, future deals – were affected because of this. So if you're the wolves, you got to think we went in all in for this guy and, you know, we're going to take 
we're going to take the high ground and just say, no, you're, you're suspended. I mean, I think, I think at the end of the day, this is where the business side of sports comes into play. And I think the business side of it is we gave up a lot. This is a huge investment. We lost in the play in last year. Why are we going to shoot ourselves in the foot and not go and not give ourselves the opportunity? Do I agree with it? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I see both sides to it, but I think if, if Minnesota is looking at what they have in front of them, I think if Rudy Gobert plays, they can beat the Thunder. And they, you know, why are they going to let that slip away? Because if Gobert doesn't play, Carl Anthony Towns, yeah, I mean, he's cat, but but he's not he's not a big defensive guy. He's slower. He doesn't he doesn't move on the court, you know, as well. They need that presence there under the rim. So I think Minnesota in the end is just going to bite the bullet and 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 let him play. I'm I'm torn here. I really think it could go either way. I might be leaning towards how, what you're saying, but I re, I I really don't know. Um, and Stevie, I want to turn to you so we could for the last thing about the play, and then we'll move on to TJ to talk some Celtics. OKC, they they. It's fitting how March Madness was all about Cinderella's and Cinderella's doing the unthinkable and how the final four was completely unpredictable. And now we have OKC, whose average age is literally your age, Stevie. 22 years old is the average age of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Shy Gilgis Alexander is their vet at 24 years old. And they have a chance to possibly be in the playoffs without possibly who would have a guy who would have been rookie of the year this year, Chet Holmgren. What has been, what has really been the reason for their success this year and kind of shocked the entire world? I mean, I just think it's, you have a bunch of young guys that just want to win that they are just super competitive. Um, They don't have any egos or anything. They just play for each other. And, I mean, a lot of these guys were lottery picks. The, the Thunder have had so many picks, lottery picks now, and they still do in the future because of, you know, trading guys like Russell Westbrook, Paul George, um, a lot of guys, a lot of their superstars. And then they went through some of those tough years so they can reach their positions, you know, and then the trade with – um, they got Shy Gilgis um from the Thunder and the Paul George uh, from the uh the Paul from George the Clippers trade. yeah from the, the Clippers, Clippers and the Paul George trade and Shy Gilgis was just like a bench guy with the Clippers and then now he got that expanded role and took his game to I mean I don't think anyone maybe they would have thought he'd turn into solid I don't think anyone would have thought that he would turn into the superstar he is I mean the dude averaged like thirty points this year which is unreal um and he's still this young Josh Giddy another top like five or whatever top 10 pick really talented coming over from Australia, I believe now he's turning into something and, and then Jalen, well, they got two Jalen Williams, but the one from Santa Clara, um, you know, he really now is getting an expanded role and showing that he can play at a high level. So they just have a lot of young, like, yeah, they're young and inexperienced playoff wise, which probably will come to hurt them. Um, if they win their next playing game and then play the one seed in the West, which is I'm trying to think Denver. Denver. So I mean Denver could be a little uh they could be beatable, but anyways, we'll we'll get to that if they even win. But like it's just you don't have old veteran guys that are just their bodies wear down easily. Like these are a lot of young they have a lot of energy. They don't have as much wear and tear on their bodies. And Young guys are hungry, you know. Sometimes veterans just get complacent, you know. They they got usually, at, you know, when you're well into your twenties, because um, they're and you've been in the league for quite a while. Usually, you have your contract, so they have their money already. And then some guys still want to win, but some guys might become complacent. Like, yeah, we made the playoffs, whatever. We didn't win. I believe most players don't feel that way. They do want to win the championship. So, but the Thunder, like, they got a young head coach. You got a lot of young players. And 
they feel like they have nothing to lose. They're still, they probably, a lot of people still consider them a rebuilding team. They still have all these picks. So the fact that they're there, they won this first playing game, like they're just playing, they were, you know, just playing their lucky hand right now. And they're just going to keep riding that and wherever it brings them, I feel like they'll be happy with. So um, they just got to keep playing their game and just, and just kind of keep playing that young basketball that they're doing. And, um, and it's, it's going to be even more exciting next year when they get Chet back. They're going to have a lottery pick still. More lottery picks. So it, it's really going to be they're they're going to become a top team in the West, you know, soon enough. Uh so they're so they're going to enjoy these couple years of being a playing team, but then pretty soon they're going to become a an actual seed and then I think, you know, again, more and more down the road they will become a top seed in the West. You, I, I'll make a prediction now. Uh, as long as this core stays together, stays healthy. If it breaks up, then you know that's a whole different story. But if Shy Gilgis Alexander's there, Josh Giddy, Chet Holmgren, you know, really recovers from that foot and becomes who everyone thinks he will become, and then all these other lottery picks. Oh yeah, I, I think they can really become something special down the road. And I think it's impressive. A guy like Lou Dort. He's kind of undersized for his position, but he really has that Pat Bev bulldog mentality. He's more of a scorer, though, than Pat Bev, so like, that really helps out OKC. But he's not afraid. We saw in the game, he was locking down Brandon Ingram, getting in his face. And when you have a guy like that, really just helps energize the youth that OKC has. Because then it just gets guys like, uh, SGA and Giddy and both Jalen Williams is just more involved in the game and more engaged on defense. And I'm sure they appreciate him every time he steps on the court. Yeah. And especially when you have a guy like that, it just makes like everyone around you want to play better, you know? So like a Pat Bev, helps to elevate other people's games by just the energy he brings. And and Lou Dort does the same thing, you know, especially with his defensive plays. Um, and then Shy does that with his offensive plays. So, like, that's what, you know, when you have a lot of guys that can elevate other guys and bring excitement, the whole team's just going to be playing well, whether you have this guy, that guy, superstars, veterans or not, you know, you've been to the playoffs or not. Like, it's just... If you're playing good basketball, it shouldn't matter who you're playing. Um, you just can't fall under like, oh, uh, we're, you know, say if they win, oh, uh, we're playing the number one C and now we're going to f- forget our game and, you know, like, no, go in there and just play, play the, you know, as you're the OKC Thunder, play have you, how you've been playing all year, how, what got you here. So um, if they keep doing that, yeah, I think they can make a little run. Nothing crazy, but. You know, they can definitely maybe win some games, maybe win a series. Who knows? We shall see. The play-in, honestly, I really didn't have that high of expectations just given the teams, but I'm glad that I had my expectations very low because it really was an impressive uh, play-in so far. The Bulls, uh, Raptors, the Heat, Hawks, OKC, all of these teams really, those games have been very fun and I'm excited for Friday's games. But TJ, I'm going to turn to you. We, uh, on a little more lighter note than what's happening in the Yankee game, Boston, what's the vibe there like right now with your Celtics and Bruins about to be in playoffs? The Bruins with their record-setting season. The Celtics, they've dropped off a little bit, but they ended as the two seed in the East. What's the vibe like down in uh in Beantown? Uh, I can tell you right now, the the vibes at TD Garden are just going to be immaculate come playoff time. <clears throat> uh, I, and I'm also very glad to say that I got to witness history being a Bruins fan. It's not very often, like, as a sports fans, we get to witness, like, record setting seasons whether you like them or not like it's it's still really cool to really cool to like see that we all got to witness history i know you guys are all rangers fans which is it's it's all right but like right now right now i'll tell you i'll I'll put it to you this way 
right now the Bruins are playing in their last regular season game in Montreal, their biggest rival ever. And they're they have a whole line of uh, their whole starting lineup on the ice tonight. They're getting that final tune up in. Jim Montgomery is confident. He's at an all-time high right now going into the playoffs, especially coming off of a season like this. I, I don't want to watch I don't want to talk too much hockey unless we talk more later. But no, it's an it's an open floor for you to kind of cross both uh teams. Okay. All right, yeah, because they're, like, they're their playoff paths are very similar. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, allowing, I'm allowing you to cross the, that little bridge. Okay, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. So like, at least, at least on the ice wise, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be immaculate. The Bruins are an absolute wagon. I wish the Yankee game right now was a was the WBC because the game would be over. Um. Anyway. Going over to the hardwood, I think I think the Celtics, the vibes are still immaculate, but there is there is reason to worry. We saw it like the second half of the season. They like defensive wise, they weren't like they weren't holding teams to like 105 points, I think was like their average over the before the all-star break. Something like that, yeah. It was. It was the very their, very their defense. Their defense in the first half was just unreal. Yeah, like they were. They went from a number one, the number one defense to I think like the number four or five defense, like post All Star break, which isn't is it's not it's not bad. It's it's still it's still very good to be a top five defense, but that's the one thing that I'm I'm concerned about is yeah towards towards the end of of the regular season they they started getting their their defensive legs back but for a while there i was seeing way too many like 130 point games that i was like it, it was a little uncomfortable for my liking just because i know how good of a defense the celtics team can be and and it's i guess it could also be just like regular fall off but i know with with joe mazula the the guy the the helm taking over for Ime Udoka with all that last season and what what have you I think he's done an, an incredible job wrangling all these guys together making making the moves with Brad Stevens getting depth pieces getting guys for cheap like I feel like Brad Stevens is just a wizard when it comes to that getting guys that can contribute right away and giving up literally nothing um. Offensive wise, I I think, I think J, uh Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are gonna pop off like they have been all season long. I'd like to see more production from guys like Grant Williams. I'd like to see more out of like like Mike Muscala, like more of the big men, Al Horford, so on and so forth, the Time Lord. Um, and I I just also want more consistent shooting. The Celtics. I don't know if you guys have noticed, they like to shoot the three ball a lot, a lot more than they than they should. Yeah, it seems like at times Jason Tatum, if he's not feeling it, he's going to chuck up some really bad threes. And that really, I think, for me, at least, is what separates him from being like that superstar, like Giannis level player. Yeah, and and I think with with time, he's still very young. I think, I think within the next couple couple of seasons, getting all this playoff time and all these accolades under his belt, I think, I think he'll develop more of those more of those like superstar traits when it comes to like handling the ball, passing the ball, shooting the ball, and even even just like like overall guy like. The whole team as a whole, they sh- they just chuck up threes like it's going out of style. I'd like to see a lot more consistent shooting. And if you're gonna if you're gonna shoot threes, try, like I know I know it's really hard to get wide open threes, but like shooting a fully contested three with one if not two guys in your face, that's just not good basketball in my opinion. And just because you have the ability to do so doesn't mean you should. And that's just a hole across 
all teams, I guess, that when they go through slumps or bad stretches, they just chuck up really bad shots, handle handle the ball really poorly, turnovers. Oh, yeah, that's one last thing before I end this rant and spiel. Uh, the turnovers have been a lot better compared to last season, but there have been spans where the Celtics would give up 15-plus turnovers every game, and they would – get beat on turnover points at least by 15, if not more. So I just, I'd like to see them get the turnovers under, under control, which that also goes into ball control, so on and so forth. And uh, yeah, I think in Beantown come this time of year, the Red Sox are kind of not doing it for you. So Boston sports fans, if you're like me and you're a diehard Bruins fan, the vibes are going to be immaculate. They're a wagon. And uh, roll Celtics, always. That was a nice little rant about both. I mean, obviously, I'm hoping for both teams to <laughs> to be early exits, as I'm sure Castle and Stevie are rooting very heavily against you. Um, but we shall see. I mean, I'm really it would be fitting for a Rangers Bruins collision course in the Eastern Conference Finals. All of us will be very uh engaged in that series, so that would be very fitting to end that little it, rivalry if, this year. If it does happen, I will forgive you guys for not putting up with any of my shit. Because like playoff hockey time, I am unbearable. I'm unbearable. So what have you been this whole year then? I guess tolerable. We're still all here, aren't we? Yep. Well, Steve, Stevie's like half awake. That, that I think that rant little put him to sleep. I can barely see him in that little corner. All right, but I want to wake him up now. We got. I want to turn to Stevie for this part. The East really has dropped off ever since the Kevin Durant trade, and it kind of looks like it's very top three heavy with. Philly with Boston and Milwaukee, but I don't really think the same could be said about the West. So which matchup has caught your eye in the West as like a, a good one to watch for? Let me just um, re-pull up the matchups because I haven't really seen the full um, seating since I was worried about the Bulls and their seating. Um, so let me just pull this up. Okay, I, I got one. I got one. Warriors Kings. Mm. I really I feel like this one actually the West really has a lot of good matchups now that I'm really looking at it. But some of the other ones I don't know, but because if you look at the other ones like the Lakers Grizzlies that's a lot of storylines because John and LeBron and then what uh, Dylan Brooks, you know, how he said uh, nothing bad about LeBron, but how like, you know, it's it'd be cool to pretty much take down LeBron um, in the first round. And then Clippers Suns, you know, KD, him back. And then um, and then, you know, they got the Suns got their guys and then Paul George and Kawhi on the other side. But the Warriors Kings, like, there's really no storylines. I think that will actually just be a good basketball series because the Warriors are just a great, great team. Um, and even if they like, like, even last year, like, come playoff time, they just take it to another level. Like, did anyone predict them to win another NBA Finals last year? And they get Andrew Wiggins back for Game One. And they get Andrew Wiggins back for Game One. Exactly. So. Like, this is not the same Warriors team where it's like they were the favorites when they had KD or when they were winning all those. Like, now that kind of ended, but then last year they just won another one. And the way this regular season went, you kind of want to count them out, but then they just, like, you can't count out Steph Curry and Clay and um, Draymond and them. But the Kings, the fact that they ended their playoff drought or back in the playoffs and not in the playing tur- the tournament, like, they actually are a top seed. Um, and I forgot the, yeah, the Kings are the higher seed than, um, than the Warriors too. So that's even like the crazier thing. And I think the Kings actually have a great team. Sabonis, Deer and Fox. 
Um, they have more guys. I'm trying to. I'm like blanking. Um, the rookie Keegan Murray is very impressive. Keegan Murray. Um, and they just have a couple of other solid like role like kind of guys. Harrison Barnes, who speaking of the Warriors, this could that could that's my player to watch in that series. I know we are kind of talking about series uh, like different series, and I'm gonna get to Castle after. But player to watch in that series, Stevie Harrison Barnes. That's your prediction. You don't think he's had this series cr- on his list for a few years now? The team I mean, who the team who got rid of him replaced him with Kevin Durant, went on to win three three rings without him. I'm sure he's a little upset that he couldn't be there to reap the benefits because he was a very good player for the Warriors. And now he's kind of just been like this forgotten guy when he was in Dallas. People forgot he even played for Dallas. Now he's kind of reestablished himself as a very good scorer, third scorer for the Kings. Almost averaged 20 points this year. Harrison Barnes, that's my guy to watch in that series. No, I think he'll do good. I mean, I don't wouldn't say he maybe has it marked on the calendar because it's not like he's been facing. It's not like he just got traded by Golden State. No, uh, but it's a playoff series. It is, yeah. I mean, I, I think he gets he just, to eliminate the team that got rid of him. Yeah, but I don't think he has any hard feelings. I think he understands it's a business, and I mean, I'm not saying he has hard feelings, but I'm I'm sure from a basketball standpoint, how fit, how great would he feel? knowing that he played a major part in sending home the team that got rid of him. That's all. Yeah, I think his biggest thing would be more helping the Kings win their first playoff series in how long. That's my only thing. But I I, I get your point. Um, I'm trying to think if I had to think of a player in that series. More on the Kings side, because we know the Warriors, like obviously Steph and like all those guys, like they can just take over Jordan Poole. Uh, Clay, but um, I guess really probably Sabonis. I think Sabonis really is key in, in this series. Like he's been key for them the whole, and I know he's like their best player, him and Fox. You know, are definitely their best two players. But really, like I think if Sabonis has a rough series, then you can pretty much book the Warriors into the second round. But if Sabonis really plays at a high level like he did this year, it's going to be tough for the Warriors. So, um, so I'll, I'll go Sabonis because, like sometimes, like it is those guys like um, like a Harrison Barnes who steps up and and brings them. I mean, look at um, in the bubble, T.J. Warren with the Pacers, like you know he, that kind of guy. But then a lot of times it is just like these top players that just wield their team to success and i think really it's up to sabonis so yeah so i'm really looking forward to this this series and i think all the west series like i said sound good but this one i think will be the best because the storylines are just going to be with how the series is going it's no outside storylines it's just going to be how the series is going who's winning who's playing better and that's to me that's the best sometimes these outside storylines the 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 truth of like watching the game gets lost, you know, because you're so worried about LeBron or John Moran, and you know this guy said this and blah blah blah, and like Warriors Kings is just going to be about those two teams playing in, in Western Conference battle. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Well, glad to know Stevie is the no fun police and only doesn't really care about the good storylines. So I'm going to turn to Castle to talk about a series that does have some good story outside basketball storylines. And that's your New York Knicks facing off against the guy who everyone thought they were going to trade for. And that's Donovan Mitchell and the Cleveland Cavaliers, a series which I'm sure Donovan Mitchell is also looking forward to because he's a New York kid getting to play in Madison Square Garden in the playoffs against a team who he openly said he thought he was going to be a New York Knick this year. R.J. Barrett, a guy who a lot of Nick fans thought was going to be traded to Cleveland in, in that trade. Emmanuel Quickly, who's a six-man ca- uh, candidate. The Knicks, the Knicks are rolling, which I'm sure you're very thrilled to see. But the Cavs, they they pose a very serious threat because they're the way their team is built is very different than any other team. They got very good guards and very tall and athletic bigs. They can beat you from anywhere, from 
outside, from inside. Their defense is elite. They're, they're a scary matchup. And that's one team I really did not want to see in the first round. But what will your Knicks have to do to spoil this little homecoming for Donovan Mitchell? Well, I think when you look at what's been successful for the Knicks, and it's something that I've harped on a lot, which will be a big challenge, but I think if they're aggressive and the right guys are doing what they need to do, this can work is rebounding. You know, we crashing the boards has always been a struggle for, for this team and getting heart at the trade deadline, a guy who's a tremendous rebounder was huge, but it's not enough. Obviously you need Mitchell Robinson to do his part. Hartenstein coming off the bench to do his part. Randall, if he's, healthy for most of the series I hope it doesn't sound like he's going to play the first game which you know is tough uh, but I'd rather have him healthy Uh, so I think rebounding is going to be the key and I think guys guys just got to be quick quick uh, with the defense you know they like you said this team is not built like a lot of other teams in the league I mean you look at their guard combo now You'll, you'll be able to probably provide more information and, and updates with what's going on with injuries with Cleveland. But if they got their, their two guards playing, that's tough, man. I mean, for, forget all the noise about what, what could have been with Mitchell. I like his game a lot. I'm a huge fan of Garland. And we need our, we need our guards to, to really just clamp down. Brunson, I'm not worried as much about defense with him. I, I think he I think he can be solid on both sides of the ball. Obviously, he's more of an offensive guy, but I think he's just the number one hustler on, on our unit. So I'm not worried about him. Uh Grimes, this is going to be a very big challenge for him. I think this is going to be a, a time where he really needs to step up and, you know, and and use what the skill set, you know, that we've seen from him in, in the big moments. And you know, quickly, like you said, six man of the year canon. I mean, <laughs> what a great story with him. You know, uh, you, you got to give credit to, to Kentucky. They've produced some pretty special guys these past few years. So I think the key, I think the key for the next, the two big things is really rebounding and, and clamping down on defense. Offense, I'm not worried about. It's going to suck definitely not having Randall but I think we can make up for that. I think Obi Toppin will take more minutes and I, and I love what Obi does on, on all aspects of offense. So, and, and the biggest thing, and I can't emphasize this is not dying down with the momentum. I don't know if Stevie can attest to this from the games that he's watched with his brother, but so many times it's like the life gets sucked out of us in the second half and we're missing shots and Randall's having his temper tantrums. He can't do that in the playoffs with a big game like this. So it's got to be consistent all four quarters. That That's my biggest thing. And I will say recently, though, the way they've been playing, because, like, who's getting a lot of minutes? The young guys, Obi, Quickly. Um, Grimes. Grimes, like, these are young guys that are going to give you full energy the entire game. Now, yeah, they may not make every single shot or make the right plays every single time, but then um, you throw Josh Hart because Josh Hart's always great, giving great energy. But oh yeah, when, when Thibodeau started playing these guys more and when quickly started to start more games because Brunson was out or RJ was out or, you know, whoever, like that's when he really took that next level even. Um, and same thing, Obi, like, when Obi plays that limited minutes, like he can't get into a rhythm. But we yeah. see when he gets to the starting like position, like he can drop 30 with ease. So the one guy that he talks good things, but then sometimes I hear it is Mitch. Mitch Rob Robinson. Yeah. He's scaring me a little bit because he could be a force and he can make some plays, but then sometimes his efforts lacking a little bit. And then you know, I saw something with his offense production, he was getting frustrated with that. But, dude, like, listen, if you have three-point shooters like Brunson, he's – like, Brunson's going to hold the ball more. Or 
like Grimes is a like, three-point shooter, Barrett, like Randall, like you have these guys that can score. Like Robinson, no offense, you can't really snipe threes. And yeah, if you have an easy dunk and alley oop and stuff like that, they'll give it to you. But besides that, your role is to be a menace down low, to block anything that comes near the paint and to grab as many boards as possible. So the fact that now who knows if he's truly upset, we don't know for real. Like we, we didn't go up to him with a microphone and ask him that, but from reports that you and I, and I'm sure a lot of other people seen. Uh, so that's the biggest thing is I feel like if he's his attitude and mindsets off that, because they have a lot of good big men. He needs to be ready. He needs to be ready for the series. Like Mobley, um, Allen, Jared Allen, like these guys are going to come ready. So, so does Mitch Rob. He has to come ready. You know who also needs to come ready? I think that's RJ Barrett. I think this is the series that RJ Barrett really could solidify himself as one of the top guys in that draft. Because if you talk, if you look at it, Nick fans have counted RJ Barrett out several times. Castle, you included. I'm one of them. I, I know. I, I, I'm one of them. I'm not a Nick fan, but I've counted him out. But you know what? Look at who was taken in front of him. And what have they actually shown in the league? John Morant has had some very good flashes of being brilliant. And I agree with that. But he's also done some very questionable things and has missed a lot of games. He's healthy now, which is great for the league. It's great for Memphis. And if he can continue to play very well, then that'll be huge for Memphis. But the number one pick, the unanimous number one pick, was Zion Williamson, who's played in only 25% of the Pelicans' games since he was drafted. This guy was doing windmills and warm-ups, but is not dressing for the games. I don't know what the deal is, like why he's not there for contact, why he's not playing. I don't know. I'm not there. It's sad to see. But R.J. Barrett was sitting there at number three, and that's when the Knicks took him. R.J. Barrett has not proven himself yet as that guy, but I think a very strong series from him. He's going to be asked to guard Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland at times. He's going to be asked to score more with, especially if Julius Randle is out game one and maybe game two. R.J. Barrett's going to have a lot on his plate, and hopefully he could step up to the plate because the Knicks are going to need a big game, a big series from him, and he can't be Mr. Inconsistent anymore. No, he can't. And that's that, you know, I didn't even think of think of that when it comes to, you know, the scheme of the series, but he's a big factor, whether you want to admit it or not, he has to play clean. And that's what scares me because defense, I'm not as worried about him. It's his offensive game when he's driving to the lane and he looks like he's going three miles an hour or he's making three threes in a row and he's hitting the rim. I mean, I could go on and on, but I think if RJ can, can have at least one game where he has between 30 and 40 points in a series like this, Randall or not, I will start to give him a little more, cut him a little more slack because you're totally right. You look at the two guys that were picked before him, like you said, Zion, which I mean, we we could probably, you know, I'm sure we'll get into that another time, but what a what a huge question mark he's become. And then John Morant, like you said, he's had these great moments. And if I remember correctly, I think Steve, you correct me if I'm wrong. Number four pick in that draft was Darius Garland, correct? Um, either four, I he might have been five. Four or five. Patrick Williams four? No, Patrick Williams was 2020. Huh. I got my ear mixed up. Either yeah, way, I'll, Darius Garland was definitely in that draft and he was a top five pick. So even more motivation. And, and yeah, and, and, I, and, and Garland is, I mean, he's, he's so deadly. It, it, it really does scare me what he can do with the ball. Uh, but again, it just comes down to clamping down and playing defense, but kind of to, to come back around to, to RJ, this, this is this series. I think the, the off season it's going to be very interesting to see what his future will hold. I know that, you know, we've talked about this, this Josh, and we might see the scenario a little differently 
Um, I do feel that the Jazz were not interested in Barrett because of his skill. I do think he was on the table. You think it's the other way around. It could have been. I don't know. But I feel like his stock and his overall value is really on the line with this series. And And I said it before, and I'm going to say it again a step in, in the right direction, whether it's a game with or without Randall, whether it's in the garden or in Cleveland, I need to see a game where he puts up between 30 and 40. This is what I'll say about RJ. Um, and, then, and then, you know, this will be my little thing. That was the right pick for the Knicks. RJ, at that time, no one wanted to go to the Knicks, Castle. Um you know, that was that was like during some of the rough years. And yeah, no no free agents, no like free agent one. That was that was the summer I think that Katie Kyrie, Katie, Kyrie to the yeah, Nets. And they opted to go to the Nets. They went to New York, just the other team. Um, and then obviously Zion was supposed to be your saving grace, but then the Knicks, who should have gone the number one pick, got the number three, but it was almost a blessing because Zion has barely played. Now when he plays, he's at force. But what's the point of having a guy who doesn't even play? Now, having a guy like John Morant would have been great, but you can't help it. You have the number three pick, and with some of the stuff that's happening, maybe same thing. It's a you know, it's a blessing. Um, and the only guy that I would maybe would be Garland. I mean, the rest of the guys. DeAndre Hunter went four. He hasn't turned into anything. Um, you know, Jackson Hayes was up there. Kobe White, obviously, as a Bulls, like I like Kobe White, but he's not. Like I think RJ Barrett's better. Um, so if you look at the top ten and something like, like, really, it's not a good list. Like RJ, he was a number one recruit in the class. He put up solid numbers at Duke, and he's put up like he's shown you in this league that um, that he could do well. I mean, the game I went to the Bulls Knicks game, he was like, I think he legitimately missed like maybe three total shots that game, and he took it like he scored. Like four, like almost fifty points that game. Um, so he's shown he can win. And technically, I'm not saying he directly led them, but so far with RJ, he's brought the Knicks to the playoffs twice in three years, or he's been a member of that. Before RJ, when was the last time the Knicks even made the playoffs? You know, so yes, he gets a lot of shit because he was a n- number three pick. Everyone thought he was supposed to be like the franchise saving guy, but he kind of almost was because he was the one that was like, bring on New York, like bring this challenge. I want this. I want to be a Nick. Like he really embraced being a Nick in the challenge. And I think some guys started to, not everyone, but I think certain guys started to gravitate towards that. And, and now you were able to get guys now granted it helps that his father is a coach, but Jalen Brunson, and it helps that Brunson took that next step. Um, so I think RJ, does he deserve some crap sometimes? Yes. He is a little, you know, he is inconsistent. You know, certain times, you know, his defense needs to improve. But I think I think he was a right pick. I think what he's done for the Knicks has been really underrated by a lot of people. Um, and I, I agree with you guys. If RJ has a significant series, he already got paid, so he doesn't have to worry about getting a contract. But if he has a big series, I think a lot of people will change their minds on RJ and, and give him some credit because I think he deserves some credit, in my opinion. Um, I agree. If, he, and if he, he's a humble guy too, he he never complains or talks about about his coaches, teammates, anything, the fans. Like he usually just takes it on the chin. Um, and he's a humble guy and seems like a good guy to have in the locker room. I mean, that goes with anything, like even our Yankees, when we boo Aaron Hicks all the time, but like if he were to hit for a cycle, like he he would deserve his flowers that game for sure. Like as much as like we want to criticize him, he does something amazing. Like he still deserves flowers or something like that. If Aaron Hicks ever hits the cycle. I might need you guys to like kill me. Okay, maybe not TJ, but the rest of us would give him his flowers. I don't think it would be real. I mean, MLB the show, it might be, but that's besides the point. Um, but before we wrap up this week's show, boys, sorry, TJ, I'm, I know you wanted to jump the gun there. Um, 
I just want to get a quick uh, NBA Finals prediction. We'll go around the horn. We'll start with TJ since he was so eager with uh, with an Aaron Hicks comment. Sorry, TJ. Get NBA Finals uh, prediction as a good way to uh, end the show. Um, do you want it biased or unbiased? What's your, uh, your good old heart telling you? My heart is telling me the Celtics will make it to at least the Eastern Conference Final. Who they play going into that going to that series is yet to be certain if they make it there at all. I I, I would hope that they they can make it to the finals again for a second straight year. That'd be awesome. But I I personally think it it'll be another Bucks from the East. And just because I would love to see the chaos, give me Sacramento in the in the from the West. I've loved everything I've seen from the Kings this season. 16 seasons, Stevie was the drought. I don't know if you saw that, but I I, I had to put my man of many hats hats on, you know. And uh yeah, I would love to see the pure chaos that would be the Sacramento Kings making it to the NBA Finals in their first playoff appearance since uh, at least the early 2000s. Okay. I like that. I like that. Uh, Stevie, I'll let you go next. Oh, this is tough. Um, I'll go Clippers. Clippers. Uh, I'll go Clippers Bucks. I feel like the Celtics just made it last year. I don't know if they make it back to back years. Sorry, TJ. Um, you have no reason to apologize if, if you heard me. I'm not even sure they'll make it to the finals. So, yeah, oh, yeah, and I, I kind of, and then I, I, I'm never sold on Philly. So I'll go Clippers Bucks. I think Giannis will, and Drew and uh, Brooke Lopez will. Propel them back to the finals. Um, now, who wins that series? Yeah, uh, give me some time and let me watch some games. But yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of feeling the Clippers this year. So, Clippers, Bucks, market. Mr. Castle. For the East, it, uh, I, I mean, the Bucks, they seem like the only team to me, but I'm going to, I'm going to go a little, uh, little of, um, a curveball prediction. Uh, Don't say Philly. Do not say I have, Philly. I have to be real. No, never. Absolutely not. Never. I was going to kick you out of the, out of this call if you said Philly. No. Um, kills me to say this because they'll have to beat my team to get there, but I'm going to say Cleveland in the East. Um, and for the West, I don't know why. Um, assuming the team is fully healthy looking at what the West is like. I think they can make it there. And that's the Phoenix Suns. I think uh, CP three will get one more chance at getting, getting that covenant ring. So I'm giving it uh, my prediction is Cleveland Phoenix. I'm thinking the same way castle. I'm thinking Suns go to the finals and I think it's going to be the bucks. And I think it's going to be cool to see the rematch of Kevin Durant versus Giannis and the way that playoff series ended the last time they matched up. That game seven. That game seven in Brooklyn where Kevin Durant hit the three where it should have sent the Nets to the conference finals. But because that dude has the longest, has the biggest feet ever, it was a two-pointer. And obviously the Bucs went on to it win that series, win the finals. No, I'm not still hurt by it. Thanks for asking, guys. I was going to say say KD has hockey stick legs. Very much so. I completely forgot about that because that was like the first playoffs after COVID and like it just feels like forever ago and I completely forgot that he didn't make the shot. He made the shot. Two-pointer put on the line by an inch. And then Castle, I do like your the Cavs kind of had me like I was kind of really tempted to pick the Cavs, but then I was like, 
I didn't want to like get upset you by picking them against the Knicks. I guess that would not have mattered anyways, but um realist. I'm but, a realist. I mean, but it it's tough because the Bucks are that team. They've just, you know, no offense to you, TJ. I mean, I know you're you're being a realist too with this. I definitely could see the the Bucks stepping over them, but I don't know. I mean, just look just going back to that that great comment that Josh made. This Cleveland team is not built like most. And I feel like if they're fully healthy, that can really that can definitely carry them. I mean, and I'd be happy to see Cleveland because they got a couple of Nets guys, OG Net guys, who I'm always going to be rude for: Karis LeVert, Jared Allen. Go show the Knicks what uh what Brooklyn Tough is all about. But watch out, my Bulls beat the Heat tomorrow. Watch out, it's a ten seed, or they would become an eight seed. So they'd become an eight seed. So you got yeah. to get on Stevie. You got to get yeah. through uh, Jimmy playoff Jimmy first. Yeah, I think they can. We'll Maybe see. To be honest, so it will be a gauntlet, but that's that's why I picked the Bucks as a safe bet. Can't go wrong with that. But uh, I mean, because we're gonna be taking a couple weeks off again. You want to stay up to date with uh, playoff basketball, with NHL playoffs, with MLB regular season? You guys should uh, check out our Instagram, TJ. Thank you for all uh, all that you do. You're keeping our Instagram up to date and. Uh, it's a busy time for playoffs, busy time for TJ. He doesn't sleep on the job. So, uh, and I think the next time we'll be recording be right around the NFL draft. That's yeah. Draft's the, the, bear, the Bears are looking for a new quarterback, and Stevie's getting excited. So, uh, oh, yeah, this is where we, we, we got a lot. This is where we have episode. a lot to talk about when that. I thought, I thought Fields already got traded. Yeah, some funny joke you guys think it is. But, uh, this is. We'll have to wait for that next episode for uh, for Stevie Rance about the Bears. It's been it's been a while. I kind of miss it, but I say that now. The first couple minutes he starts talking, I'm gonna instantly regret missing it. So uh, so shout out to you, Stevie. Shout out TJ, of course, and shout out Liberty Shirts. They uh, make all the Fox guys look great and make all of us who have ones look great. Stevie is dancing because he doesn't have one and he needs one. Castle has one, and he looks great in it when he goes to work. I have a couple. They're great flannels for the bar. Great, great product. Couple? Wow. I can't even get one. Yeah, I can't do anything about that. So uh, thank you all listeners, and have a good night.